1: Connect to more.
0: What's up, Montana? Hope you have a good Thursday. Thursday is always a good day around here. Usually when I kind of turn the corner because the way that the world is operating right now, I spend most Mondays and Tuesdays trying to record as much as I possibly can because most of the people that you out there listening to Nuwana is now want to hear from are folks that have their most important, week, at least weekdays, on Thursdays. The Big Sky Conference plays on Thursdays, so most of the coaches that I want to share interviews with all of you with. They, uh, they have to get those knocked out Mondays and Tuesdays because they're either on the road or they're preparing for games or they're testing or they're doing whatever it might take to get ready for the weekend it is. So I always love Thursdays because we kind of get to turn the corner here. And then we get to instead of talking about in preview games, we get to actually watch and even in some cases go to games as well. So we'll get into all the action that's happening around the state of Montana at both the college and high school levels Thanks for tuning in to Nuanez now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. You can also find us statewide on SWX Montana Television. Really appreciate SWX for being a part of this and helping us make this into a statewide thing. And thanks to all of you out there for watching and listening and participating. If you do want to participate in the show, it's easy. I'm rolling solo today for a minute. Crystal Redpath is going to be here in about 20 minutes for our around the Big Sky women's hoop. So she'll be here for about the last 40 minutes of the second or the first hour. Excuse me. But uh, rolling solo otherwise. So we're going to talk about a, a variety of different things today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the spring football season. It got kicked off at the FCS level last week. It starts at the Big Sky level this week. It's already not going well. Weaver State and Cal Poly already been canceled and then rescheduled for April 17th. It's supposed to be played on March 6th. So that's a bummer. But we'll talk about some of the ramifications this spring football season could have around the Big Sky Conference. Then it will be our Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops presented by Pangaea and Staven Hoop featuring Chris of Redpath. Crystal will be here for a couple segments to talk about all the happenings around the women's league. Top of the hour, we're going to be joined by Ryan Looney. He's a second-year head men's basketball coach for the Idaho State Bengals, and his team, they host the Montana Grizzlies tonight in Pocatello. Then we're going to hear from Trisha Binford and Danny Sprinkle. Unfortunately, Trisha Binford's interview is a little bit antiquated because this morning, Montana State's games against Idaho were called off. but. Coach Bidford took the time, so we're still going to air that interview because it still gives some context into the rivalry with Idaho as well as the way her team uh, has been playing lately. And uh, as we march towards the Big Sky Tournament, it's important for people to know exactly uh, what's going on around the league and, and just some of the, the storylines that have brewed. This was going to be a great matchup between Idaho and Montana State, so it's really too bad that it's not going down, but that's okay. Uh, we will persevere. Uh, But it is a bummer that the first-place matchup between the Bobcats and the Vandals won't happen. But uh, it's pretty crazy because last season, Montana State had an epic run. They went 19-1 in league play. They set a Big Sky Conference record with those 19 victories in conference. The one loss was to Idaho in Bozeman. They won the rematch during the regular season in Moscow about a month later. But it was a collision course, basically, to the Big Sky Tournament Championship game. Both the top-seeded Bobcats and the number-two-seeded Vandals were supposed to, they they advanced to the championship, and then, of course, as you know, the championship was called off. So, uh, big-time bummer, and uh, we'll have to wait even longer now to see these two teams play. Hopefully they find a way to make it happen and, and uh, they meet each other in Boise, because that could certainly be a good one, and it, it certainly will be a good one if that's, in fact, what happens. Okay, so I got a couple things to talk about with spring football here. I won't spend too much time Ranting and raving about this. But uh, first of all, the news of the day Weaver State's game at Cal Poly that was scheduled for March 6th. It's already been postponed. It will be played on April 17th. COVID issues within the Cal Poly football program. Uh, so that's off the table for now. That will be delayed. So there's your first cancellation. Already not going great. But I think that this is an a, a intriguing spring season for a variety of reasons. I think if you take away the fact that it lacks a little bit of integrity with not a lot of teams, with not some of the most important teams, particularly the defending Big Sky champions from Sac State, uh, as well as a couple of teams that earned playoff seeds in Montana and Montana State, it takes away from the level of competition for sure. That said, I think that there's a lot of different things that could happen here. A lot of times this time of year, spring football, it's used as sort of a trial period for... Coaches, uh, as they try to form their rosters. You're coming out of a, a season a year ago where you kind of know what you got. You know what you graduate. You know what you lose. By the time winter conditioning is done, you usually know who's leaving your program. And so then you have spring ball. And you probably signed you know, between 20 and 30 guys between the December signing period and National Signing Day in February. And so you, you know these core guys that you have on your roster, you know these 25 to 30 guys that are coming in. And so you always have an overlap. There's oftentimes when you might say go to spring football with 80 guys and you know you got 30 coming in and you know you can only bring 95 to camp in the fall and you know you can only have 104 on your roster. So that means you're going to have to figure out a way to get rid of between 18 and 20 guys. You use, a lot of times you use spring football, the spring football game, things like that for those um, – to make those decisions, to, to figure out what your roster is going to be going into the fall. Well, now you're going to have real games to make those decisions. So I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are playing for their spots right now. And I think there's there's a feasible way for um, guys that maybe start or play quite a bit in the spring that then don't start, don't play quite a bit, or maybe even aren't on the roster in the fall. That's a double-edged sword. I think it's a good evaluation period for these coaches because you're going to get real, live competition. But it also could become pretty cutthroat because if you play your way out of a spot, now all of a sudden you might have a guy... Uh, now all of a sudden you might be hitting the transfer portal even harder. And then the fact that it's a zero year, there's a lot of guys in the portal, there's a lot of ways to recruit those guys, I just think it makes it for an interesting factor that we've never really seen. Right now there's 1,700 players in the transfer portal, and only 28% of them have found new homes. Well, what does that mean? It means there's a lot of guys that are sort of in flux. There's a lot of guys that maybe would have dropped down, quote-unquote, from the FBS to the FCS, but they didn't want to play in the spring, so maybe now they're waiting. So you have a lot of guys that could end up in the FCS still that have been sitting in the portal for quite some time. So that could be an interesting factor as well. There's a, And then there's a lot of guys that could be on the chopping block as well, like we're talking about. So there could be some roster retention or some roster elimination that makes a lot more guys enter the portal as well. And So then how does that influence the way coaches recruit? If they see something out of guys, because you're going to have a higher level of evaluation time, a higher and longer evaluation period, for a lot of guys on your team, well, then what does that mean? I mean, it, it, the more film you have, it could be good in terms of fortifying guys you really like. It also could be bad because you have on full display then guys you don't think can play for you. And so then all of a sudden, maybe you're getting rid of guys or forcing guys out that don't necessarily—that uh, maybe might would have not been in this situation if— it wasn't games being played if it was just practices. So you wonder how much more chaos, how much more volatility uh, is going to be sprung up from this spring football season. Here's one thing I want to do. I'm going to readdress this next week with Randy Corcoran, but I want to get this in before the actual spring season in the Big Sky Conference begins. I want to do just a quick hitter on some of the coaches from around the league and what this season could mean for them. It is Nuanas on, now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. So we're going to go through just quickly each of the coaches for the teams that are playing for them and what this could do uh, for just for the status of their careers at the schools that they're at. So we'll start with Jay Hill. Jay Hill is the coach of Weaver State. They are the three-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. So Jay Hill has at his plate an opportunity to continue the great success Weavers had. It's the greatest success that they've ever had at the Big Sky Conference level. They were three-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. They've at least won or shared the last three titles. They've made it to the playoffs four years in a row. They also advanced to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs last year, which is their longest run in the history of the program as well. They can add to all of that. Jay Hill signed a contract extension before the season began, so he is slated to be in Ogden, I think, until 2024, maybe even 2025. So that's a great job of retaining Jay Hill because you know he's a guy that's a fast riser in the coaching business, yet he has not gotten that FBS offer that draws him away. So I think that this is just another opportunity for him to add to his resume. I think there's not a lot of pressure associated with it either, because if Weber could just become the four-time defending Big Sky champs headed into the fall, or they could have their streak, quote-unquote, snapped and still have a really good team coming back next fall as well. So I think not a lot to lose, a lot to gain for Jay Hill in the way he could fortify his resume. Rob Fennessy at Idaho State. Used to be the offensive coordinator at the University of Montana under uh, Bobby Houck for seven seasons between 2003 and 2009. Fennessy's now been there at Idaho State for three years. They had a good year a couple years ago, winning season. They won five league games. They beat Montana State, and uh, that was a good team. And Tanner Guller, uh, Mitch Guller, They had a lot of weapons, and when those guys graduated, they still had a lot of weapons in terms of the skill players. They had some really good players across the board, led by guys like Mikey Dean and Mitch Giller, but they really had a hard time taking care of the football. Matt Strzok came in and was really good early, and then he got the yips. He started turning the ball over all over the place. He was throwing picks, not just picks, but he was throwing pick sixes and that's never the way you want to go uh, as a quarterback, especially when you're running a spread offense where you're trying to throw a bunch of points. It kind of all came to a head when Idaho just beat the tar out of Idaho State in the Battle of the Domes. And Idaho scored, I think, three defensive touchdowns in that game. Matt Struck ended up not even making it to the end of the year. And then that, after that, he transferred. So they brought in Tyler Vanderwall, who is a quarterback from Wyoming. And that's the other story in the league is that almost everybody in the league – with the exception of Portland State with Davis Alexander, and they're obviously sitting out this spring football season, and Eric Berrier at Eastern Washington. Those are the only two guys that are real stalwart, solidified starters. Even though Cam Humphrey has some starting time at Montana, they still have, they're still have they still going to have a quarterback battle, certainly, for the Grizzlies. Even though Tucker Rovick started for the better part of a season and a half at Montana State, they're still going to have a quarterback battle at Montana State as well. Mainly Matt McKay, the NC State transfer. But Casey Bauman has also been in the mix. And you wonder with Brent Vegan, the new head coach at Montana State, and his acumen for developing really uh, tall, athletic, and strong quarterbacks, what does that mean for a guy like Casey Bauman? Because Casey Bauman, in makeup, is like a Josh Allen or a Carson Wentz. He obviously has nowhere close to that amount of polish, else he would have been the starter there the whole time. But we will see. We'll see what uh what the quarterback situation of Montana State becomes. But that, that's going to be the, sort of the case for a lot of these teams to play in the spring, too. you got extra reps for Tyler Vanderbilt. Can that be an advantage? I think Fennessey, I mean, they have a lot of faith in him at Idaho State. Despite last year's struggles, they lost six in a row down the stretch. They finished 2-9, and nine and uh, they still gave him a contract extension in the offseason. So he's a he's guy that I think the administration has a lot of faith in. So I think this could be nothing but good for Idaho State to just get more competition. I don't know how they're going to fit into the mix in terms of the Big Sky Conference or the playoffs, but I think that last year a lot of the things that went wrong were not talent issues. They just sort of fell apart. So I think that they have an opportunity to uh, to at least gain some momentum coming into the fall. Paul Petrino at Idaho. Petrino is an interesting one because Petrino did a really good job the last couple years Idaho was in the FBS. They won nine games in 2016. They went to a bowl game and won a bowl game. Matt Linehan was a great quarterback for them. They had a lot of talent. And then when they entered the Big Side Conference, they sort of fell off a cliff. And Paul Petrino decided to go all in on his son, Mason Petrino, as the starting quarterback. They didn't really recruit the position uh, hardly at all. I mean, they had Jake Luton in their in their quarterback room for a minute. He saw the writing on the wall that he was never going to be able to beat out the coach's son, so he transferred to Oregon State. Well, he ends up getting drafted, and this last year, he ended up starting some games for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they had an NFL quarterback in Moscow for a minute, and they never never really played him. And instead, they've been kind of overwhelmed at that position, and they've had talent at other spots across the board, particularly wide receiver. I mean, Catrell Hayward, good player. Jeff Cotton, tremendous player. David Unger, great player. So they've had great skill, talent. They've also had some really good players on defense, particularly Caden Ellis, who was uh, drafted in the NFL draft two years ago by the New Orleans Saints and even uh, started some games this last fall in the NFL. So Idaho's had some talent. What's next for them? Mason Petrino's not in the program anymore. Paul Petrino's contract has to be getting close to its end. The reason he hasn't had to really worry about being on the hot seat is he's still getting paid his FBS salary. And with some of the challenges Idaho has had to go through, because of their move from the FBS to the FCS, they haven't been able to buy him out. So, Paul Petrino, I think this is a year for him to press a reset button. And I think that Idaho has a chance to be really competitive. So, is this the the step that they need to prove that they belong? It's ironic that they dropped down from the FCS, yet they're still trying to prove that they can compete in this league. The spring slate, that could be a time where they really turn the corner. Chris Ball at Northern Arizona, he took over for Jerome Sowers, who was there for 22 years. Ball, once upon a time, was a finalist for the Montana State job. Jeff Choate ended up getting the job over Chris Ball. But Chris Ball then went to Northern Arizona. And last year, I thought Northern Arizona had some talent, but they were just a sieve defensively. You could tell they're really trying to change the culture. And I think when you change the culture from a culture like it was under Jerome Sowers, which was very... Uh, Laissez faire, laid back, player-run program. Uh, you know they won because of, of great, great in-game schemes and because of great talent. But it was never because of you know this crazy passion to go punch you in the face. I think that's the kind of style that Chris Ball wants to have. But you could just tell with the departures from their team. I mean, Jalen Gross, who was an all-big sky tackle, he left the team before the season. Uh, They had multiple players that were key defensive contributors, including a couple starters that walked away during the season. And all that then formulated in them giving up yards in just bunches. I mean, Josh Davis rushed for over 350 yards for Weber State in that game against uh, Northern Arizona. Montana State ran the ball right down their throats. They rallied from a two-score deficit to come all the way back and win in Bozeman. So I just think that the, the intangible element, the toughness that Chris Ball wanted to have, it was just really missing at Northern Arizona a year ago. So can he turn the corner? Can he get them back to play or at least begin to be starting to play his style of football? Dan Hawkins at UC Davis. Hawk came in and had UC Davis pretty competitive in year one coaching his alma mater. He led them to a share of the Big Sky title and their first ever Division I playoff berth in 2018. They won a playoff game and they ended up losing in the playoffs to Eastern Washington. But then last year... A ton of talent coming back, including Jake Mayer, who was the uh, preseason Big Sky Player of the Year, and uh, they they didn't live up to expectations. They sort of sputtered. They went 5-6. and six. They were in games, but they just could never really stay on par with that success that they had two seasons ago. So what's next at UC Davis? Who's the quarterback going to be? Who's going to replace Jake Mayer? Who's the play caller going to be? I know they have a new offensive coordinator, but how's that going to work out? Because Dan Hawkins has called plays throughout his career or at least been an influential offensive mind throughout his career. And uh, Tim Plough, who I think is one of the brightest coaches in the Big Sky Conference, well, he's no longer in the Big Sky Conference. He joined Andy Avalos' staff at Boise State. So a new offensive coordinator at UC Davis as well. So I think that's a, a team that needs to prove where they're at. Was was the, the shared league title a fluke or do they belong in the top, in the, uh, the, the, Top half or even upper echelon of the Big Sky Conference remains to be seen. you to Nuwanez now. I'm through Nuwanez. We're breaking down Big Sky Conference spring football and what it means for the coaches in the league, what they can accomplish, what their teams can accomplish, and what it might mean for just the status of their jobs and their programs going forward. Bo Baldwin at Cal Poly. This is a fascinating one. Bo Baldwin is one of the great coaches in the Big Sky Conference in the last 20 to 25 years, probably in the 21st century. He's got to be up there. I mean, I think it's Bobby Houck and Bo Baldwin. Those are the resumes. Jay Hill. He's working on it with his three straight Big Sky titles, but Bo Baldwin led Eastern to a share of six titles in nine years. He led him to a national title 2010 at Eastern Washington, led him to the semifinals of the FCS playoffs five times in nine years, and they just won a hell of a lot of games at Eastern Washington. He recruited some of the best talent in the not only the conference but the country. The quarterbacks were always dynamite, whether it was between his time as the OC under Paul Wolf or uh, as the head coach, I mean, from – Matt Nichols to Eric Meyer to Vernon Adams to Bo Levi Mitchell to Gage Gubrewh to then Eric Berrier who Baldwin recruited but was not able to coach. They've always had the best quarter one of the best quarterbacks in the league. From the receivers, I mean Cooper Cup, Kendrick Bourne, Shaq Hill. I mean, say no more. That's not to even mention Brandon Kaufman, Nick Edwards. I mean, Simba Webster. They've had multiple NFL guys, some of the best talent in the league. So what does Bo Baldwin do now that he's at Cal Poly? How long will the transition take? They're going from a triple option style team to I imagine what they're going to run Baldwin's offense, which is kind of a single back spread. And I think that uh, if there's anybody that can install it and do it quickly, it's Baldwin. And even if it's really uh, a lot of growing pains in the spring, I think Cal Poly has an opportunity to have this benefit them more than almost anybody in the league because they'll get real live playing action, real live games to hone this thing in and get ready for next year. Aaron Best at... Eastern Washington. This is a fascinating one because Coach Best is a lifetime Eagle. He played at Eastern. He was at Eastern as the offensive line coach under both Paul Wolf and Bo Baldwin, and they took over for Bo Baldwin and uh, missed the playoffs in year one, but caught lightning in a bottle, got red hot and raced all the way to the national championship game in year two. Year three, again, missed the playoffs. So where are we at with Eastern Washington? They were really prolific offensively, really productive offensively a year ago, but where are we at with Um, Aaron Best. I mean, it seems to me that the talent level isn't on par with what it was when Bo Baldwin left. How could it be? How can you have three NFL wide receivers and a guy that probably would have gone to the CFL if he wouldn't have gotten hurt and then then made the bad decision to transfer to Washington State like Gage Gubert? I mean, he can't really be better than that. Those guys from Eastern Washington, Cooper Cup is not just an NFL player. He is one of the best slot receivers in the league. Kendrick Bourne starts for the San Francisco 49ers. Simba Webster plays for the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, Sam's at ebucom starts for the Los Angeles Rams. So you're talking about guys that are not just contributors. They are starters in the NFL. So it's hard to, to surpass that talent. But how does Eastern Washington turn the corner? How do they put Bo Baldwin's memory in the distance, in, in the rear view, and move forward? That's going to be the biggest key, I think, for Eastern Washington. And then the last coach in the Big Sky Conference is Demario Warren. I think Demario Warren... Um, if Southern Utah wasn't moving leagues, I think Demario Warren would definitely be a guy that was probably marching toward being on the hot seat because uh, he was he was good when he took over for Ed Lamb, who he worked under. Ed Lamb had led Southern Utah to a share of the Big Sky title in 2015 uh, as, as well as a playoff berth the previous year. Southern Utah, with a lot of Lamb's players, then one, shared the Big Sky title in 2017, and then they've just been terrible since then. They've only won a, a handful of games. They've been awful defensively. But the fact that Southern Utah is on their way out of the Big Sky Conference to join the WAC, well, what does this mean? What is, are they going to want stability so they stay with Demario Warren as they transition? I think so. I don't think he's coaching for his job this spring for sure. I think they're going to let him make the transition as he moves forward here uh, into the, a new league. And But I also just wonder how much engagement Southern Utah has had. Southern Utah this year in basketball uh, have been really good. But what's their parting gift to the league, right? I mean, I saw the Utah's going to be playing in the league in football next year as well. But what's their level of engagement for their last two big-sky seasons that will come basically in? one calendar year. That remains to be seen. We're going to get you the full schedule of the Big Sky games here in a little bit as well, let you know what's going on. We're going to analyze a lot of these stuff. I mean, I don't think that the spring season holds much validity. It's not my favorite thing. I'm glad the Montana schools are not playing in it. I know that's an unpopular opinion for fans that want to watch football, but I still think it's feasible, and I think that the the constant uncertainty and the constant cancellations of games, I think it's bad for the sport, and I also think it's just really bad for the psychology of the athletes. I just think it's really tough to have so much uncertainty and so little structure. And so as soon as I saw that Cal Poly-Weber State game getting rescheduled, I just thought, well, now it begins. Here we go. And uh, you just hope that it doesn't get to the point where we're having all these cancellations and reschedulings. Because so I do think just think it's really hard on the psyche of everybody involved. It's hard on the athletes. It's hard on the coaches. It's hard on the people that cover it. It's really frustrating when you have when you do all these interviews and do all this stuff to try to prepare for these games, and then they get canceled. I know it's nobody's fault, but it's still not good for our mental health. And so I really hope that – I'm glad the Montana schools aren't playing. I think they can just go back into being in the preparation for the fall season because that's what – the football players, mostly, they have missed so much time in the Big Sky. It's what they need. They need to get back into the real, normal rhythm. You can get done with winter conditioning. You can go into spring ball. You can play a, a couple scrimmages during spring. and Then you can roll with summer workouts and get into uh, game shape and be ready to roll for next fall and really just take next fall seriously. So I'm glad the Montana schools aren't playing. It'll also be interesting, though, to watch the schools that are. And so we will continue to bring you updates from around the Big Sky Conference on Nuanas now as everything starts to play out and uh, every games the games get started uh, this weekend. So we will. even though uh, I'm glad the, the Montana schools aren't playing, I'm a junkie. I'm definitely going to be watching these things. There's no question about it. Speaking of watching sports, sports are back on, and the Silver Slipper has 55 TVs for you to watch all the action, whether it's the NFL, SCS football. You want to go watch these big sky teams? You want to watch some MMA? Whatever you got, Silver Slipper will have it on for you. Drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and Tarantino's Pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. At the at the Slipper. It's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. And the card room's back open as well with games nightly at 7 p.m. Call or text 333-1500 or visit MissoulaPoker.com for more information. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. Crystal Redpath around the big sky and women's hoops. On the other side, it is Nuwana's now.
1: Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together, or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula.
0: You love it? Mm-hmm. I like it. Good. What kind of music are you into? Sean Rainey revealed to me yesterday that he doesn't like music. And I was like, you're like one of my best friends. How can I be friends with you anymore?
2: Oh, I like all music, but I like hip hop. Yeah? But, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of the era I grew up, I up mean, in. I mean,
0: that's what happened when you grew up in Montana in that's the funny. 90s. You really had to go to the streets to really find all the beats. Listen listening to Juana's Now, 102.9 ESPN, Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you want to tune in on any of your various mobile devices, you certainly can. All you got to do is go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live button, and you'll find the live stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line as we do each and every Thursday during the 4 o'clock hour. It's now time for Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops with Krista Redpath. It's presented by Pangea and Staven Hoop. Stick with us because we're going to have a $25 gift card to Staven Hoop for you a little bit later on. Staven Hoop's an awesome speakeasy just right below Pangea. so be sure to to uh, stay around. We're going to give it to you. I'm not going to tell you when. I'm going to make you keep listening here. But sometime in the next half an hour, we're going to have a great uh, gift card for you. If you go into Pangia, right now they have great specials on their curry lunch bowls. So be sure to check those out. That's actually the first two things I ate there. I tried both of them, and they were excellent. So make sure you, you order the curry lunch bowls at Pangia next time you're in there. And we'll have one more Pangia gift card for you next week as well as we wrap up the regular season. Krista, how are you?
2: Hi, Coulter. I'm great.
0: That was very fun last week. Thanks so much for coming in. We had, uh, if you missed anything from last week's show, we did our typical Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops and then also Meg Harrington stopped by. We talked all about the house that Rob built. And uh, it's been pretty incredible last couple of days to see the uh, the feedback, right? This was thing actually was released for sale on Thursday. And I swear my entire Facebook and Twitter feed was nothing but Lady Grizz pictures for I know, two that, days, that right? that was
2: really special. It's number two on Amazon for sports right now. Is it really? Um, well, number one for sports, number two overall on Amazon,
0: That's so amazing. Yeah, it's
2: exciting. I
0: love that. So the House that Rob built, if you haven't been paying attention, I don't know how you couldn't know this already, but in case you haven't, that's okay. The House that Rob built is a wonderful documentary co-directed by Megan Harrington, who played for the Lady Grizz, and uh, it's all about the University of Montana women's basketball team and the pioneer of that in Robin Selvig, uh, certainly one of the greatest coaches I've ever been in the midst of, and uh, it's a phenomenal documentary, not just about sports, but about life. So make sure to go check it out. It's available for order on all of your different um technological platforms amazon included and uh, i mean it's like 8.99 right now on sale so you should just go order it i promise it's worth it you'll love it Definitely. And, and you could have it for a long time as well let's talk about big sky conference hoops first of all obviously the news of the week is montana state idaho series being canceled big time bummer we heard yesterday that it was postponed, which then to me automatically indicates that they thought they had a false positive test at Idaho. So then they retest and then this morning canceled. So bummer because this was going to be one of the most exciting series in, of the season, right?
2: Right. I mean, we're in, we're in the heat of the race right now. It's it's pivotal in terms of where the placement is going to be with these top five teams. And I was really th- looking forward to it. I think it's difficult, Coulter, with stops and starts. You look at Idaho and Montana it is for State sure. getting ready and preparing and then having to pivot uh, this close to the tournament is tough. I mean, I think there's so many different things at play right now as to where the standings are going to fall. Um, just disappointing.
0: Super disappointing. I, we're going to hear from Danny Sprinkle, Montana State, men's basketball coach, uh, around mm, 525, 530 today. But him, he and I talked about that exact factor because his team had multiple interruptions from – COVID protocols on the other side and then they go on the 60 game winning streak and then they have interruptions and then they have to play the best two teams in the league and they get swept. And all of a sudden they're sitting at six and four when they were six and Oh, but he's feeling okay. Cause you have a couple series that you think you can go get some wins in and then they have to quarantine for 10 more days and they lose their series against Idaho state, which would have been pivotal for the seating. Right. And so now coach sprinkle is just saying, I mean, I don't know where we're at right now. I, I have no ability to gauge where we're at. So I do. I think it's really hard on everybody involved on both sides to be sure. But we do have basketball games in Missoula tonight. So first, before we get into this Montana-Idaho State matchup, we got to talk about the great matchup in Bozeman a week ago. I guess it was a home-and-home between Montana State and Idaho State. And Pocatello on Thursday, Idaho State absolutely controlled and dictated the tempo of the game in a 69-59 win. Uh, It was never more than a 12-point lead for Idaho State, but they also led from wire to wire. And you could tell they were the veteran team in that game. What a response by Montana State on Saturday. And it was one of the great games I've seen, period, in the big sky this year. Montana State was down 17 to 4. They win the the second quarter like twenty five to four, and they oh, go into halftime. Impressive!
2: It was Im- unbelievable. It,
0: it, unbelievable response, and I, so then I'm sitting there thinking, okay, wow, but the Bobcats are for real. And then they started to have a meltdown, and you're thinking, okay, well these freshmen they're not going to be able to figure out how to close out the best team in the league. And Idaho State certainly has a championship culture, and so you're thinking, man, this is gonna be hard to watch because the Bobcats going to beat themselves. Right. But great, great to watch that the seniors on Idaho State were stepping up. But then all of a sudden it goes into overtime because of Torrey Martell's huge shot. And then Montana State comes out on top.
2: I know. And you look at this whole the whole last part of the game and the fact that the Cats um, had that lead. They had a 12-point lead. And the Bengals just erased that. They just came in and, and they just showed what they can do. Why they're the top team in the big sky. And Tori knocks down that huge three. But I also think that the emergence of Madison Jackson. She had a great huge. game. I mean, 28 28- uh, minutes, 20.7 rebounds. I was really impressed with her. Again, we've talked a lot about Montana State's depth. But you look at what she brought to the team, and she really got it done.
0: She had to sit out for a while. I know they're not talking about all the reasons why. You can read between the lines. But we interviewed her after the game. And first of all, what uh, infectious and sweet young lady. She was so entertaining. She was so excited to be interviewed. And it was great. It was just awesome to uh to, to to actually interact with her because I haven't interacted with her since all the way back to last year. So that was fun to get to catch up with Madison Jackson a little bit. But she brings a whole different element to Montana State, right? Because they have the solidified rotation and she hasn't really been that big of a contributor. But when she can be... All of a sudden, there's not really very many players in the league like her just in terms of her ability to bring energy, crash the glass, and play defense. I mean, she's kind of like that. She's long
2: and lanky, too. Right. So she really gets after it. She makes it difficult to have for players to pass around her. She's good on both ends of the floor. I definitely thought she would be in the mix early, and then obviously, you know, issues she sat out. But, you know, for someone to come on and come into this, this team now going into tournament, I mean, you had White... Um, Cola Badbear and Tory, they were all in double figures, which has been expected, although Cola hasn't necessarily been as consistent, but sure. both Tori and Darian have showed up game in and game out. But to see Madison have a game, that was pretty sweet.
0: The I thought Trisha Bidford made such a interesting comment after the game when we asked her about Madison Jackson. Last year, Montana State had five seniors, and Trisha Bidford said that the person that actually raised the level of practice each and every day more than any other player on the team was Madison Jackson. And she said when when you have a freshman doing that, it makes all the seniors then work harder. And she said that was probably the X factor in their championship season.
2: It's interesting that you say that. I felt that when I went down and watched a practice last year. I was able to go down to Bozeman and watch a practice the week of um, Bobcat Grizz, and I thought she just gets after it on the defensive end. She's not giving these kids anything, that, and they call her Maddie Jack. But she was in there just disrupting, and I thought, you know, who is this kiddo? She's coming in and playing with these older players that are veterans, and I do believe that, Coulter. What a great point.
0: It is Around the Big Sky in Women's Hoops. Chris Redpath joining me on Nuanez now. It's presented by Pangea, a great new restaurant in downtown Missoula. Go check out the traditional Laos curry or the Massaman curry. They're both delicious. I promise you're going to love them. And uh, they're on special right now as well. So tomorrow, $10 lunch curry bowls at Pangea. So be sure to go check those out. They are proud sponsors of the Around the Big Sky in Women's Hoops. Idaho State, at one point... Had won fourteen in a row. They were sixteen and one, and now all of a sudden they're on a little skid. And I don't think there's any any reason to sound the alarm. They won. They lost two out of three. One of the the win being the the win over Montana State on Thursday, but they lost uh, actually quite handily to Idaho uh, two Saturdays ago, and then they lost in overtime to Montana State. But uh, the Bengals are in Missoula tonight. I mean, they're there's still the, the team to beat in the Big Sky Conference, right?
2: I definitely think they are. I mean, I look at their depth. I mean, it, in terms of they play about seven players, but their five are so strong, Coulter. So strong. I mean, I look at their guard play, and we're looking at all conference players and who we think should be the top of the league, and you cannot not have a conversation about Diaba and Dora. Those yeah. two, the one-two punch is is so strong. And they get after it on the defensive end. They're definitely the the toughest team in the Big Sky defensively. As
0: they have been. That that's the trademark of have seen Sobolewski's team certainly.
2: And I emailed with Coach Sobolewski this week a little bit just around the Rob Selvig uh, documentary. He obviously did a great um, you know little video about how he was you know learned a lot from Coach Selvig. Um, but he said you know these are really good kids and they're fun to be around. And I thought, you know, what a great, like, environment to have them go out. I mean, they are tough on the floor. They certainly don't look nice when they're playing. Sure, But to have them be great kids and to see the camaraderie and what Coach Sobolewski's building, I think that they are a team that has proven themselves in this neutral site tournament, and I look for them to be there in Boise.
0: How big of a factor do you think that element is this year in particular? I mean, team chemistry is always a huge factor in in basketball, period. But it seems to me that the teams that are continuing to keep it light and having fun – given all the challenges that they're going through. Those are the, especially in the women's league, it seems like those are the best teams.
2: I I think it's so much about team camaraderie where they set this up for the tournament. And you're, I mean, let's be honest, you're exhausted at the end. You've spent most of your time, even more so this year. You are so isolated. You are only with your team. Your only interaction is with your team. And it is about peaks and valleys and who's healthy mentally to be able to make it through. You know, we used to call it the road to Reno when we first started this tournament. (laughs) I always said it was the road at Reno. Because as soon as you get there, it is all over. And it is, you know, just the same at Boise. You you don't come in and win one game and get to the championship. It's an uphill battle. Well,
0: let's talk about this Idaho State-Montana game then tonight. The Lady Grizz are riding a five-game winning streak. It's their first five-game winning streak since Robin Selvig was the coach. First time they've won uh, five games in a row since 2015. So it's been quite some time for the Lady Grizz to be on this sort of a winning streak. And, uh, you know, I think that, the the offense since the rivalry series with the bobcats has sort of ebbed and flowed they're not a team that's going to outscore you the thing they've been doing so consistently well is keeping the opponent down i mean they they they're playing well defensively they they're holding opponents uh, under you know low field goal percentages no games are ever in the 70s. It seems like they're in the 50s and 60s all the time. So what have you seen out of Montana during this five-game streak?
2: Well, three of those have been on the road, so that's impressive. And I liked what Mike Petrino said after the game, after the second game at Easter, against Eastern Washington, saying that we got tougher. Because I felt like the Lady Grizz really rebounded well. They out-rebounded Eastern Washington, um, over 10 rebounds each of those contests, and I thought that has been an area that has been up and down for them. We've talked about this on the Aircoulter. And I think that that really showed, they just showed some grit. And they really needed to get that sweep against Eastern. And now, you know, even if they lose all four games, which I don't want to say here to Idaho and Idaho State, they're still sitting at 500. Yeah. They'll probably be sixth place if they lose all four. So they won't get one of those top five, play, you know, five seed bides. But still, nine wins, you know, I mean, they're, they're doing all right
0: it i think that the most the biggest piece of optimism i've seen since montana was swept by montana state it, and then lost that heartbreaker against portland state is several of the elements that we were analyzing and scrutinizing have gotten better and i think that is something mm-hmm. that what the last couple of years it was pretty easy to diagnose the weaknesses of the lady grizz and they never seemed to make any progress in fixing them mm-hmm. so the um, the fact that they they were struggling rebounding-wise and now they exactly. are rebounding better, it seems as if you no, know, they're addressing a weakness and they are getting better at it. And I think that that's a good sign for growth within the program.
2: There was, there was adversity in that second game against Eastern Washington. I mean, it was coming down to the wire. And I look at the fact that Sophia Stiles and Abby Anderson had eight points each in that fourth quarter. In that final run, their kids that needed to step up Made baskets and made plays, and even you know just to point to Sophia's grit and toughness of not letting it, not letting that game slip away, and that's what Montana's been able to do. And I have to say, since they've played Montana State, they have been on the rise.
0: I also think it's sort of uh, fitting that right now the top four teams in the Big Sky Conference are the Idaho schools and the Montana schools. I know that Southern Utah's sort of in the mix. We'll see, but they haven't they haven't played enough games though, so they're not going to be able to secure one of those top. Five seeds. I know Northern Colorado is still kind of chasing one. NAU might be able to get one. But pretty much the the, the top tier involves, for sure, Idaho, Idaho State, and Montana State. And then Montana's right there. And I think that that's a, it's a good thing for the league because I think that they're the schools that care about women's basketball the most. I think they have the best tradition, the best following. And honestly, uh, especially when it comes to the top three, some of the best coaches too. So what do you think of just the, the dynamic that sort of the schools where basketball matters the most that are the ones kind of leading the way?
2: I can see that. I see leaders in our conference. I see the coaches that have been there the most tenured. I mean, we look, you can't have a conversation without bringing up newly Sobolewski, and Binford. And I think that they've been great leaders in our conference. And I do think that some of these other programs are coming along. I mean, Lori Payne is really trying to battle it out in NAU. And she had to come in with really not a whole lot to work with and so I do think there's something to be said about these teams that can build off of that right they know their recruiting schedule you, you look at the Minnesota Fury which is a huge recruiting avenue for Coach Binford she's been able to go into that AAU group and just pull kids and we've seen a ton of successful kids come through that AAU and once they see that there's success for the Bobcats they're going to want to come play as well so I think that you look at that and you start to build a tradition and these teams have been leaders at the top of the conference. But I do see some of these other schools, like in NAU, Northern Colorado. I mean, Southern Utah is now leaving the conference. But I see some of these younger coaches that haven't been there as long doing the things that they need to do to put their program on the rise.
0: It is around the big scan women's hoops. Krista Redpath joins me, Coulter Duanez, right here on Nuanes Now uh, each Thursday during the 4 o'clock hour. And we're going to keep talking about this because there's a couple different questions I have for Krista. And we also have a twenty five dollar gift card to Staven Hoop for you as well. The great new Speak Easy located right below Pangea. Pangea and Staven Hoop proud presenters of Around the Big Sky in Women's Hoop. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna talk a little bit more about if we have any more clarity, as we are now less than two weeks away from the Big Sky tournament. And we're gonna talk a little bit about non excuse me, all conference, not non conference, all conference nominees right here on Nuana's now. It's one oh two nine ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX, Montana Television.
1: to more
0: welcome back hope you're having a great Thursday Thursday is definitely one of my favorite days of the week because it's the day that the big Sky conference gets re-engaged each and every week that's what we're talking about right now. On on as now, Krista Redpath in studio as she does each and every Thursday during the 4 o'clock hour for Around the Big Sky. In women's hoops. It's presented in part by Pangia. Pangia has traditional Laos curry and massaman curry lunch bowls right now on special. So go check out Pangia; Great place for lunch right in downtown Missoula. Only $10 for those lunch bowls. So go give both of those Laos curry and massaman curry a try today. Stay tuned as well. We're going to have a gift card for you here in a couple minutes for um, Staven Hoop, the speak easy below Pangia here in just a little bit. But we're talking around the big sky in women's hoops and I want to ask you Krista, now two weekends left in the regular season. It's too bad the Idaho-Montana and Montana State games aren't going to happen this weekend, but we have um, seen now Idaho State play Montana State. We've seen Idaho and Idaho State play. Now we get to see Montana and Idaho State play. So uh, how much is this going to give us more clarity this weekend after these games that are played in Missoula?
2: Well, I definitely – I don't know if it's going to give us absolute clarity, but it is going to start setting the stage for where the standings are going to end up. And so I think that we are going to see some teams either – they're gonna be in the middle in the mix or they're gonna fall below. You know, I look at Northern Colorado, If the glass is half full for them and they come out and win these next two weekends, they could finish 12 and seven and they could definitely fill one of those top five spots. Um, Southern Utah has to play in AU. Northern Colorado's playing Portland State. And then the following weekend, Portland State is playing Southern Utah. Hopefully, we'll see what happens there. Southern Utah hasn't necessarily played as many games, but they are gonna get their 10 in if they get, you know- They have to play three more, right? They have to play three more out of the four. And so then they're gonna be in the mix. And they're obviously right now- looking like they would have one of the top five places if the next couple weeks pan out and they actually get seated.
0: One cool tidbit that I forgot to mention uh, in the second segment is that the Montana, Montana State-Idaho games were supposed to be the last home games for the Bobcat women. That's significant because Tori Martell has been absolutely one of the best seniors in the Big Sky Conference this year. and I think she's had to shoulder a gigantic leadership role at Montana State because she's the lone senior on the team. And it's a team that is playing six freshmen and three sophomores. And then her, basically, I guess Gabby Mocky's a junior. But it's it, there's two upperclassmen in the entire rotation. So Tori Martel's had to do a lot of the uh, behind-the-scenes leadership stuff, and she's developed into such a great leader after being uh, sort of just this awesome spark off the bench with a veteran group. Now, she's the veteran in a young group, and it's a great story. It's, it's really cool to watch uh, the, the personal development of young ladies like that. I was so sad for her that she wasn't going to get to have her senior night. I was too. But this oh. is very cool. Daniel Jones from the Montana State volleyball program is going to allow they're going to have a senior night celebration at the bobcat volleyball games for Tori martell this weekend so that's very cool
2: that
0: is very cool good job coach jones that's that's how you think outside the box and you make it happen also i actually hadn't realized this was sydney zieski who has not um played much during her montana state career because of various injuries um but has been on the roster for three years uh, she must be brilliant because she's already graduating, so she's gonna re- she's going to also celebrate her senior night. So uh, she's, she's this will be her last season for the Bobcats, but uh, pretty impressive. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? coming and get your degree, and you can get your, your degree in some sort of science at Montana State in uh, three years. I was
2: say that's a smart team.
0: Yes, that, they are a very smart team. That's that's one of the most underrated parts about Montana State. I know we talk uh, glowingly about them around here, but I just think that Coach Pinford's got it rolling, and they do it right. But I mean, when you talk about the last ten years, I think they've ranked in the in the nation's top 10 seven times in 10 years in overall academic achievement they've had multiple i mean they've had multiple academic all-americans i mean claire lundberg who had her career tragically end with a acl i mean she transferred from seton hall to go there to get her master's in physics i just can't even imagine doing that as a as a division one athlete so they they are uh kicking butt in all elements of um on campus and on the court Another piece of news. This is a, this is just a quick hit. This is not, it's around the Big Sky Women's Hoops, the Chris Redpath, by the way. But I just received um, a text from our good buddy Tucker Sargent. He used to be the uh, co-host of this show and is now the University of Montana lacrosse coach. They were supposed to go get on a bus to go to Salt Lake, uh, but they have covid Uh protocols going on right now with the um lacrosse team as well so a big time bummer for them they were seriously just about to leave right now i just tucker was just here he just walked out the door and then the phone pops so bummer for those guys as well because i know that they were excited to get their season underway but back to the happy stuff let's talk about some of the best players in the big skate conference actually here's what we're going to do right now i got a 25 five dollar gift card to Staven hoop for you Staven hoop is an awesome speakeasy located right below pangea Uh, It's a historic building. It's a sweet venue. They have trivia on Wednesday nights, and it's just also a great place to just go hang out. It's a lot of space, so you can socially distance while also enjoying yourself a cocktail or two. I got a $25 gift card for you right now. Caller number two, caller number two, 361-3688. That's 361-3688. Got a $25 gift card to Stave and Hoop, the awesome new speakeasy right below Pangea. Let's talk all conference. I do my weekly this uh, this week in Big Sky basketball segment with uh, Denise Thompson and Mary Lou's Cook at uh, the Big Sky office each week. And we talk men's and women's basketball. If you ever want to find those, they're on the Big Sky Conference website as well as on the YouTube channel, and I put them on our Skyline Sports YouTube channel as well. But they asked me for my all conference teams this week, and I was saying, well, I I, I have eight or nine. Uh, young ladies for the women's side at least that are in the mix here and I can't decide and they put me on the spot and they said you have to decide and I said well I don't I can't yet so but I want to I want to hear your thoughts so I guess we'll start with this is there anybody in the league right now cuz I think that we both kind of agree There's going to be multiple candidates from the top three teams, certainly. Idaho, Idaho State, Montana State. But is there anybody that is an absolute no-brainer, has to be on the all-conference team in your mind?
2: Yeah, Beyonce.
0: Beyonce from from Idaho, for sure.
2: I think that, I mean, obviously, she's player of the week this last week. She averaged 22 points, 11 and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, three blocks, one steal. I mean, it's just so impressive, but she's been consistent for Idaho. She has great size. She's agile around the basket. She's definitely one of my favorite players in the big sky this year.
0: I totally agree. I think my two consensus picks are beyond speed from idaho certainly Uh, she's a very unique player in this league because she is six one but she can stretch the floor she can she can face up i mean she's very very talented she's a high major level player for sure but my other definitive pick and this this goes so far beyond the stat sheet because i i think that she controls the tempo of the game better than any player in the league man or woman Uh, i think she is the best on-ball defender in the big sky conference and I think that her relentless work ethic and her quiet, quiet leadership style is is very, um, it's very impressive to watch, and it continues to grow. So it's Darian White from Montana State. I just think those that, are my
2: two. Those are yeah. my two definites that I
0: had. I know Darian is actually she sort of struggled shooting the ball in league play because mm-hmm. they've been given a lot of attention to her. She's shooting about thirty nine percent. She's only shooting thirty one percent from three. And you know you look at her scoring numbers fourteen a game it's good, but. It's all of the things that she does that outside of scoring the ball. I mean, she, if you watch Darian White, if you next time anybody out there watches Montana State women, just watch Darian White for five minutes. Watch how much she runs.
2: She plays so hard. She plays so
0: hard, yes. and we, the way she guards. She literally shadows her player. She never lets them get two feet away from her ever. And then on offense, when she doesn't have the ball in her hands, which she always does, but when she doesn't, she moves without the ball so well too. She's just she's an amazing player to watch. If you're someone that loves the art of the beautiful game, I just think that she's as good as it gets.
2: I do too.
0: Who else I, are your nominees? Well, this? We I, have two. And these, by the way, these non-conference te- or these all-conference teams. I keep, keep saying non-conference. These all-conference teams. The Big Sky does five all-conference slots as well as an MVP. So there's usually six all-conference players. So I, I kind of have a uh, an idea of who the other candidates are, but who are some of your other candidates? So
2: on the preseason team that I voted for, I put I voted for Dora Golish and Estefios because yep. I just liked both of those players. But the, the issue with Idaho State, I definitely think Dora should be on there. I do.
0: Yep, Dora Golish uh, is a, a tremendous story. Definitely one of the sweetest shooting strokes in the league for sure. I think I just find Idaho State really hard to pick right. because they have so much balance, right?
2: Exactly. When I look at how they average, you know, we got Golish with thirteen point four points a game, and then you go down the list: Canante with twelve point two, or is it nine point seven? Born at nine, um, Delaney Moore at eight. Um, Ellie Smith at six and a half. So where where do you draw the line? Where for do sure. you put, and it's not all points. Sure. I mean, I'm not for looking sure. at all points. I'm looking at minutes played. I think Callie Bourne is number two in the big sky for rebounds right. at 8.7. I mean, that girl just gets after it. So what do you do? Do you reward a kid like that too for first team? I mean, if you have a team like Idaho State that is gonna finish in the top two place, they gotta have one or two kids on that first team. I just think they need to. I
0: totally agree. I think that if Idaho State can win let's say three out of their last four or four out of their last four. I think they get two spots. I agree with you. I think that Caliborne, Estefios, Diaba Canate, and Orgolis are all worthy candidates. I would lean toward giving the two all-conference spots to first Callie Bourne because I think that she is the linchpin for everything that they do defensively. Uh, Golis is a good defender, but she doesn't have that same toughness that Callie Bourne has. Kanate is the best athlete, but she, I think she needs people to help.
2: She makes mistakes. She'll she, throw the ball away. She'll do some things that are like, ah, de, you know, Diama. No. Exactly. You got to rein her in.
0: Yeah, but I, I give Coach Sobolinski so much credit because she, when she gets it rolling, she is a a freight train and she comes downhill at you and she plays really hard. So uh, I, I do give him credit for sort of rein her in. But I, I'm saying I'm going Cali and I'm going even though I I love Galway's and I think that she has probably the sweetest shot in the league I'm saying a step of yours just because of the fact that she's a fifth year senior that came back from a devastating injury and um,
2: I have a little bit of a special heart for that. Nothing yes, that I came back right. from an injury and coming in that fifth year and what she's gone through and she spots up to the basket great. She seemed to hit threes and hit shots when they needed mm-hmm. they needed it. And she's been a part of winning teams. Like sure. she's been a part of Idaho State's rise. Yep. So you gotta you gotta put her in the mix.
0: So we kind of agree that we're gonna have two Bengals slots. Kind of remains to be determined which of the four candidates from Idaho State. We agree on Darren White, we agree on Beyonce Bay. So who are your other two that you think are or I guess who are some other uh, players that are in the mix for those other two spots.
2: Um, I would say that Alicia Davis, you got to put her in the mix. I really think she's a tough player. I mean, she almost leads the league in scoring and rebounding. Um, She's the glue that holds that team together. They've been up and down. They have not been consistent. Like I said, if the glass is half full for them and they went out, they could be a player. But you just can't have a conversation without talking about her as one of the better players in the big sky. I
0: I also think this. I, I do think that sometimes statistics are overblown, but I also think that and And I usually prioritize my all conference teams from players that play for the most the best winners. Yes, but I do think that there's times where you have to give credit where credits due. Like it makes me so mad when you have somebody that is the most talented player in the league and and their team might struggle because they're in the middle of a rebuild or something like that. But that person contributes the most that they possibly can. Like, I look at Cameron Shelton from the Northern Arizona men. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not his fault he's playing for a second year head coach that brought in six freshmen and a bunch of transfers. The guy's averaging 22 points and six assists a game. I mean, he's the best scorer and passer in the league. And he's the best player. Like when you watch him, he's just the best player. So I know, like and they use in ninth place, but I I put him on my all-conference team because he's the best player. That's where I'm at with Alicia Davis too. I just think that her talent is so substantial that you have to put her on the squad.
2: I know. And then I think when I look at the MVP of our league, I think that MVP should come from the team who wins the conference. No question. I mean, and maybe, I mean, we have this debate. Should there be a player of the year as well as an MVP? Right. Um, because MVP, I think the reason why they're most valuable is because their team won the conference. So I, I have that feeling there very strong feeling. Um, when I look at some other players, I think you still have to think about Kyrika Rashid. She has had some injuries, but she's playing more minutes. Um, she's played, you know, over 20 minutes the last weekend. And I think she's still a good player and and is in the mix. She was my preseason MVP pick. Sure. So I still feel like she's in there, but you also have to talk about the guard play at Idaho, Gina Markson, Gabby Harrington's inserting herself right into this conversation. I mean, Gabby well. Harrington
0: is absolutely the best. I mean, she's leading the league in scoring during conference play.
2: She's so fun to watch. She brings a lot of energy to Idaho. Uh, she's relentless on the boards. She's one of those kids that just plays hard. And so, and I, and Gina Markson, I, I, I think when Gina plays aggressive, she's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. When she gets out there and gets after it. And so I think those, that guard tandem, you also have to keep an eye on to slide into one of those spots. Um, that's that's
0: where I'm at, Colton. All right, so I think that uh, I think that we agree that if Idaho wins the league, that they might be able to sneak in to get two spots. Mm-hmm. I think if Montana State was to pull out a, a surprise, maybe Tori Martell gets up there. But I, I think she's probably more of a second team All League, which is a very great accomplishment as well. Um, I want last question for you. Then it is around the Big Sky women's hoops. Chris Redpath, our Big Sky Conference women's hoops analyst, joining me in studio as she does each and every Thursday. What about Montana's posts? Does either Abby Anderson or Carmen G. Feller deserve?
2: I I think they could be close. I really do. I mean, I think Carmen obviously is shooting the ball great. Her percentage is really high. I mean, Abby Anderson, though. I mean, you just look at her games that she had this last weekend. You know, 16 points, 13 boards. I mean, 20 points, 8 boards. So she's been so strong on both ends of the floor. And... I seem to be a little tougher on Montana at sure. times just because I played there and I feel like this the bar is set high. Sure. Um, and I don't overlook those kids, but I'm waiting for them to just hit their stride. And I definitely think one of those kids could slide in there for sure. Well,
0: uh, again, a lot of this remains to be determined because- I mean, if Abby Anderson or Carmen G. Filler go out and play a great set this weekend and Montana. Or if, Sophie.
2: Or if Sophia Sophie Styles just has a great weekend. For
0: sure. And They all could play themselves up into that that all-conference uh, recognition. And here's the thing. I mean, I think everybody we just mentioned is going to find their way onto the first or second team likely. First, second, or, or I guess, do they have a third team or is it honorable mention? I can't remember. But regardless, I think that those are definitely going to be some leading candidates. The one player that I would certainly consider as well that you didn't mention is Reagan Skank from okay. Northern Arizona. Right. Because I Just because of this, I, I, I've never seen a player in the men's or women's league that has the highest scoring game in the league. She does. She scored 33 points last weekend. That has the highest rebounding game in the league. Again, she's a five foot six point well, she's
2: guard. She's a gymnast.
0: She was a gymnast. Is she a gymnast? She oh, young. that makes yeah. more so sense. There you
2: go. Like As soon as you <laughs> said that, I'm like, well, there's where her agility comes so from. So
0: she had 18 rebounds in a game. That's the highest total in the Big State Conference. But yeah. then she also, I've never seen a player that has the individual high totals for points, which she did. I guess Beyonce Bay scored 33. But regardless, I think there's only been a couple 30 point games, and Reagan Snake had one of them last week when she scored 32. She also has an 18 rebound game, which is the highest in the league, and she also has a 13 assist game, which is the highest in the league. That in itself is amazing. I mean, she's averaging about 12 points per game, but she's also the leading rebounder as a guard, and she's also third in the league in assists. So I she's think so that, fun to watch. She's too. so fun yeah. to watch, and I think that the fact that she—I mean—that's what Riley Corcoran and I analyzed the just horrific state of men's college basketball on Monday's show. And just, the 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 thing is broken. It's just broken. Everybody's quitting. Everybody's transferring. It's it's broken. Reagan Skank is should be an example for all the the men's players and every, everything that they're going through right now because Reagan Skank played a ton as a freshman, has a transfer brought in in front of her to last year, didn't play much, and now she's got her chance again and she's killing it. And if she would have left, what would have happened? You wouldn't have had the same story. So I think that perseverance and sticking it out—that's what we learn most in sports. And I just I wish that would matriculate into the men's game. But I digress. Around the Big Sky Women's Hoops, Krista Redpath joins me each and every Thursday during the 4 o'clock hour. Proudly presented by Pangea and Steven Hoop. Go check out those Curry Lunch Bowls tomorrow at uh, Pangea or anytime. $10 for both of the Curry Lunch Bowls at Pangea. Krista, this was great as always. Thank you so much. Thank you, Coulter. We will be back after this. Bunch of coaches interviews for you. We got Ryan Looney from Idaho State, Danny Spiegel from Montana State, Trisha Benford from Montana State as well. I know they're not playing, but Coach Ben gave us 15 minutes, so we'll talk about the game as well. So, uh, Coaches, coaches, and more coaches on Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN, Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at MSUBookstore.org, or of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore